Welcome to the Young Stroke Survivor Podcast. This is a podcast series for young stroke survivors and their life and care partners who will be sharing their stories, successes, and challenges along their stroke recovery journey. Information and advice given in this podcast is general in nature and is not intended to replace the advice of your doctor. Any questions or concerns should be addressed with your healthcare team. This series is presented by Stroke Recovery Association of BC in affiliation with March of Dimes Canada and is funded by Disability Alliance BC. Mary Cook here uh, with Dr. Kendra Ferber from the University of Northern British Columbia. And Kendra is with the Northern Medical Program in Prince George. And she has conducted a lot of research and I guess it's in my my myelination. How do you say that? Myelination. Myelination, and it's neurological, and it deals when people have uh, medical issues and they get older from uh, the communication from their brain down to their arms and legs. So, <clears throat> Kendra, does that does that sound correct or close? Yes. Yes. Okay. So, my research so, focuses yeah. on. Um, the cells that myelinate your nerve projections. So the nerves carry all the electrical signals that your brain is telling your body what to do. And so this myelin, um, these cells wrap this fatty insulator around those those, um, nerve cells. And then that allows that electrical signal to travel faster. So if if we lose the myelin, either when we're aging or in disease, um, then that transmission is slowed. Um, you know, our our brain can't communicate with our muscles, or our different areas of our brain can't communicate as well um, for things like cognition and and memory. Okay, is this uh, like I've got my arm is not quite what it used to be, and my nerves are there, my fingers are there, but it's not quite firing. Could that be one of the concepts you can? Yes, so it really depends um, on a lot of factors. So of course your your nerve cells are affected and then there's a whole other host of cells in your brain as well. Um, So it depends on the area um, that the damage might have occurred. Um, If this if this occurs kind of deeper in the brain where so your cell bodies kind of are on the outside and then they project down into the brain and then they'll they'll relay that message down the spinal cord. So if if the damage is in the areas that have not necessarily cell bodies, but those um, nerve projections where the myelin is, um, it can definitely contribute um, to symptoms that people might be um, experiencing. Okay, we're gonna come back to this more because it's quite interesting. So why did you choose Prince George to the Northern Medical Program to conduct your research? So um, I've always had an interest at working at a smaller institution. Um, when you have smaller class sizes, you have smaller research labs, so you really have more of that hands-on experience um, with the students, and I'm able to still be in the lab. Uh, the University of Northern British Columbia has uh, excellent reputation as a small institution. And as a kind of a research intensive small institution, 
and of course the connections to the northern medical program through ubc um, has other advantages for for research collaboration and um, other research endeavors okay you've got uh, some awards like the michael smith award for, for saying uh, how is your research in a practical sense, we're looking to say, oh, you stroke victim, uh, stroke survivors who, you know, having some limbs and some cognitive issues and some mobility issues. How does that research affect them? So, yes, the Michael Smith Foundation has supported um, my Scholar Award, which is to build my research program and support research trainees to work with me. Um, so we do a lot of research just in the lab and we actually work with these cells and dishes and look at um, kind of how they function. Um, and I know that seems really remote sometimes from the healthcare delivery and, and what people are experiencing um, when they have trauma or stroke or a neurodegenerative condition. Um, but this is really has been my passion because we don't understand how the brain functions. So if we don't understand that, it's really hard to figure out what went wrong or how to fix it. Um, so as my research grows, I hope I can build more collaborations to kind of translate what we're trying to learn about these cells um, into disease models and maybe even into some sort of um, new therapies to kind of combat that neurodegeneration. Is there, is the neurodegeneration, is that you find it in when you get older and you're finding it with the medical issues or diseases, am I correct? Is, I guess you always have a hope, which you hope, you know, I hope my research does this or I hope my research does that. Is it too preliminary to look at your hypothesis now or your ideas or are you just still trying to learn? Yeah, so we just learn really a lot about um, these cells and how they kind of develop to form this this myelin. Um, so what happens is um, your brain, the adult brain actually has these progenitor cells for the, the myelin um, and they can respond to injury and then remyelinate, but that doesn't happen very effectively sometimes. And okay. if you don't get that effective remyelination, those cells are supporting the neurons. So if the neurons don't have the support they need, then they will eventually have more and more def deficits themselves or, or can um, die themselves. Um, so yes, we are very focused um, on understanding how those cells develop, but hopefully this identifies some novel targets. Um, that can be used in therapeutics. So it is really, really very early, um, but this is kind of where the new ideas come from and having new strategies to, to solve these really complex problems. Okay. You've explained it very nicely. And I'm thinking like, oh yeah, it's way down to here, and what the hell, not, why is it not working here? And it's, it's, I guess in one respect, it, it's, it, it makes sense from a, from a medical perspective and from 
uh, a perspective of a, a stroke survivor is like, why is not my arm doing well? Or why is my leg being longer than it should be? And I have this ideas here. I'm trying to focus it down there, but it's not, you know, it's not listening. The arm's not listening. And what you've said is makes a lot of sense, right? It's uh, not the nerves itself, but it's it's almost like a coding, am I correct? Right. And so I don't want to, you know, take away from all the important research. Of, of course, the, you get nerve damage and the nerve cells are so important, but there's all these other cells um, in the brain that do so much and everything has to work together as kind of a unit for things to yeah. function properly. Um, so there's all these different aspects that we can kind of focus on um, to have different ideas or different strategies uh, that might work in in one circumstances or for one individual better than maybe for another individual, depending again where the area of the damage is, um, even their age, um, and a whole host of factors can play into um, what's happening in the brain. Is it the tell me about the age factor? Yeah, so just like your skin, you know, when you cut yourself, my kid can fall on his bike and you know, in a day or two, you can't even tell. And I do the same thing and it's a week later and I, I'm still looking pretty banged up. So just like that, uh, as you age, your brain has less, we call it plasticity. So it, it never heals completely the same way as it was in the beginning, but it has a lot of these adaptive mechanisms and there are repair mechanisms that take place. Um, but as you age, those mechanisms happen slower and slower, not effective, not as effectively and not as fully as they would um, in a younger individual. So I think that's really important to consider um, with stroke or traumatic brain injury or other types of neurological disease, really what stage of life people might be at. And it's, so a 20 year old with a stroke has a better chance based on your what you're looking at from the, the research of recovering as opposed to somebody who's 50. Their, their brain will have a much more plasticity and be able to better adapt to that kind of new circumstances. Okay. You mentioned before about the central nervous system and you, part of your research you looked at that. Uh, tell me about that also with the the, the nerves of the myelination. Yeah. So the central nervous system we define as our brain and our spinal cord. Mm -hmm. And then as our nerves leave the, the spinal cord um, out, you know, to their fingertips, that's the peripheral nervous system. Okay. So um, they have different types of neurons. There's a lot of similarities, um, but they also have different types of cells that form this myelin. Um, so again, there's a lot of similarities between the myelin and the peripheral system and the uh, central nervous system. Um, but the cells I focus on called the oligodendrocytes are just in the brain and the spinal cord. Okay, okay. Do those cells have a, a better chance of uh, healing or, or regeneration as compared to the, to the ones that maybe the end of the fingers or the, your toes? Um, you can see remyelination both in the peripheral 
and the central nervous system. Yeah, was it more prominent for your research for the central nervous system versus the peripheral one? Well, I have a kind of a specific interest in cognition, so we're really interested in looking at those connections and tracks um, in the brain okay. um, that connect maybe, you know, where your visual system is to where your motor system is to where, you know, you have your regulation of behavior because you're making all these decisions and sometimes we have to make them really quickly. Um, so that that's just the area that that I focus on more than the spinal cord or the peripheral nerves. Okay, some of the people who will be watching this uh, have cognitive issues or stroke. Tell me, does that a play an effect with your research? Yeah, again, so if those tracks that connect those different areas of the brain are damaged, um, if those nerve projections are damaged or the myelin's damaged, um, that's when we can see it manifest as the, the deficits in uh, cognitive function. Okay, good. Now, everything you're doing is in the lab, right? In the PG, she's not so there. How do you do research that is how you hope that you do right now that will expand in time? Yeah, so I really, my belief is kind of, again, understanding these basic um, functions of the cells. Um, we can really have new ideas because some of the we have some really good strategies um, and that's usually preventing secondary damage. Um, but really to get that, I guess, full repair of the of this nervous system uh, after an injury or stroke. Um, I, I feel that we really need some new new strategies. Um, so we can look at cells and dishes. We have different models we can work up to that have more physiology um, where we can look at maybe functional outcomes. Um, but my expertise again is in the lab. So I'm looking to develop, develop connections um, with other researchers and potentially even clinicians downstream that they can maybe use the knowledge um, that we're producing in the lab to affect the outcomes of um, people that have um, had a stroke. Okay. You mentioned earlier, just a couple of ago, about secondary uh, issues. Am I, am I hitting that correctly? Yeah, yeah. Tell, tell me, can you expand on that? Yeah, so, um, what happens anytime the brain has an injury, there's the injury site, but um, that cell damage or cell death, kind of you can think of it as a spreading wave of destruction almost, right? And so a lot of what we do is trying to immediately reduce that um, impact. And, and there um, have been several strategies uh, that have been very beneficial, um, but, there are also kind of long-term changes um, and we can still see um, there's some evidence that people, you know, that have had an injury or stroke um, are more prone to kind of this, this neurodegeneration later 
um, in life. So if we can understand that better, maybe the delayed kind of effects, how to protect these cells or how to better repair um, the tissue that's been damaged, hopefully that will help, you know, mitigate um, kind of some of the some of the effects that that come later um, in life as a consequence of that initial insult. And the some of the effects that come later in life could be everything from temper to loss of memory to confusion. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure most of your listeners all have a better much yeah. better understanding of that than I will. They will, yes. yes, <laughs> yes. There are many, many medical people who want to understand their stuff. Your research is looking at uh, it's, it's cross-functioning. So you look at uh, Alzheimer's, uh, Parkinson's, everything else that comes with that. Can you expand on that? Yeah, so there has really been an interest uh, in myelination in the past maybe 10 years or so the the amount of research has really taken off um, both in the lab and clinically looking at um, so they can use really sophisticated imaging techniques now to look at the myelin in human um, brains like if you guys are familiar with um, mri imaging um, so there's been a lot of work looking at correlations of, of changes in this myelin or these white matter tracks where those uh, nerve projections are running. Um, in aging, uh, you see a decrease in integrity of the myelin as our cells age. Um, in many neurodegenerative diseases such as Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and Huntington's, they've shown effects. Uh, the myelin is affected. Um, and then, of course, anytime there's an injury to those white matter tracts, um, such as stroke, the, it, uh, the myelin will also be affected. Okay. Wow. This, now I'm thinking, like, where does this come from there? In the myelin, is, uh, it's, I said, other people have hit it. And you're short survivors and Parkinson's and Huntington's and, and Alzheimer's. Is this myelin always under siege with normal normal people, or is it something that comes across when you have these degenerations in your neurological perspective? Yeah, it's it is mostly prevalent. Um, neurodegenerative diseases. I should also mention multiple sclerosis because that is um, the demyelinating disease where um, your immune system actually attacks your myelin. Um, okay. So I guess like any other other parts of our body, those cells can get old with aging um, and that's kind of just more of a natural phenomenon. But um, Yes, mostly what we look at is related to different pathologies. These cells um, seem to be very vulnerable to stressors. Um, the demand on them, because they actually will send out many, many kind of processes and form these sheaths on many, many different uh, nerve projections. Yeah. Um, so there's a high demand on them. Um, so they're really vulnerable to that cellular stress. Uh, so if we can find ways to protect them or make them more resilient, 
or for them to those uh, immature cells that are around to to better kind of develop and replace any of the myelin that's lost um, kind of are the two strategies that we would have. Okay. Uh, two questions. The stressors, the cell stressors, can you expand on that? Yeah, so we did touch a little bit on secondary damage. So one of those things I said, there's this destruction of the cells and they can actually um, dump their contents or send out signals that can stress all those cells around them. Um, so that's kind of one of the stressors would be signals from other cells or garbage dumped out from other dying cells um, at the injury site. Do the cells repair themselves? So the oligodendrocytes specifically, um, the ones that are myelinating, they have a very limited capacity to kind of repair themselves. They are generally lost, and then the new immature cells have to develop to reform the myelin that's there. So that's why if we can understand how to push those immature cells to form that myelin when we need it, um, that's how we could stimulate the repair um, in injury. And how does that happen now? Just slowly, sometimes, sometimes not? Yes. Um, so actually, there, there seems to be some maybe individual factors uh, with the cells themselves. So we look at lots of genes. So if the, you know, the DNA is kind of the blueprint um, and then it tells your cells to make all these building blocks that it needs. So it needs to make proteins and it needs to make lipids and everything that forms that myelin. Um, so we under, try to understand kind of that process um, so we know where to, to intervene. So you can get, you do get some spontaneous um, repair, more so in younger um, individuals rather than older. Uh, but it's also, so it's about the cells themselves, but it's also about the environment that the cells are in, right? So we said that the injury, the, all the cells are sending all these signals, stress signals, um, different kinds of signals, and those can, uh, kind of block um, the repair process. So if we can kind of again control that environment in the brain to make it more conducive for the, the cells to repair the myelin. Is there anything, this is a long shot, is there anything a person who maybe a stroke survivor can do to help that? Um, well, <laughs> again, I'm sure that you guys would um, have a lot of advice and resources that I don't have to give you, but in general, from, from other people's work, um, the same things that are healthy for your neurons are going to be healthy for your oligodendrocytes. So like a good diet and getting exercise and getting sleep and all those important things. Um, are also important for the cells that are myelinating. Does, if someone is stressing themselves and worried about something, does that also 
uh, delay or inhibit the cells from myelinating too? Uh, it can have impacts. Yeah, there's some research being done on that, um, different stressors, and there was um, a little bit of work done even before COVID on social isolation. Um, so yeah, again, just like your nerve cells, um, all of your experiences and your environment can impact um, the function of the oligodendrocytes and the myelination. Okay. Good. Final thoughts. Final thoughts. Well, That's right. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me or having me join you, I guess. Um, I hope your listeners have found something interesting. I do like to talk about um, my research in my cells in the laboratory, but it's also very nice to to be able to get out and and really see where maybe the potential impacts of of your research may be. So it's a it's an extra motivator to to go back into the lab and and uh, get some more experiments done. Well, this is uh, very, uh, it will be thought of as very nicely when we get from there. Thank you for the recording. <laughs>